Welcome everybody. I'm Sherry Dutter and I am so glad to have everybody with me tonight. I have a room full of occupational therapists and dysgraphia dyslexia tutors. So this is going to be fun because this is taking my two worlds and blending them right together because I firmly believe that between dyslexia and dysgraphia, it hits where my heart lies. So that is where we're going tonight. And let so let me share my screen. I want that one. You know, that uh, whole thing with um, with Zoom, you got to really pay attention to which button you're uh, you're pushing so that everybody can see what they're looking at. So right now you see it say introduction to dysgraphia. Yes. Give me a thumbs up. All right. All right. So I got an inf information from one of you that says you're from Tennessee. Can everybody else put in the chat where you're from for me? Um, I, and uh, I'll try to remember who is the OT and who is the dyslexia tutor here. Michigan, Texas. Come on, New York City. I know you're here. <laughs> All right. So we have Michigan and Texas. Fort Lauderdale. Ronnie, I was there two, uh, a month ago. Did you know that? Ah, oh, man. Yeah, I was reaching out, trying to find somebody. Um, I was at, uh, I stayed overnight in Boca Raton, and then I was in Delray Beach. We uh, did book launch for Becoming You. So I was down there for the book launch. I'm sorry, I missed you. So, Kelly and Brenda, do you know one another since you're both from Michigan? No? All right. So who's here for the first time? Can you put a one in the chat if you're here for the first time? Wow, Kelly, Brenda. All right. Ronnie's been here before. Kaya's been here before. All right. Jennifer, you've been here before? I think I remember your name. All right. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Let's talk a little bit more about me, and then we're going to get on to uh, some of the fun stuff that we have here tonight. So I hail from Pennsylvania. The pretzel city capital of the world is Reading, Pennsylvania, and I live in the same county as Reading. I am not in Reading, but um, down the street. Um, so there has been a, a magazine called Global Health and Pharma Magazine reached out to me and told me back in the end of 2020 that I won an award for 2020 no, back in 2021, I won an award for 2022. And then they reached back out to me and said, hey, you won it again. So those four awards that you see there are from Global Health and Pharma Magazine. I have no idea how I got nominated. I don't know how they found me, but they did. And they granted me these the, those couple awards there. So I have to share them with you. I am the author of Handwriting Brain Body Disconnect. That is the white one here in the middle. And that book was published in 2019. And that October, it won a top 10 award in the Author Academy Awards. 
And that was the second and last year that they offered the Academy Awards because the Academy Awards got a hold of them. <laughs> so they thought it was a great idea, but they didn't. Um, anyway, last year I contributed to three books. Becoming You is down there on the left. I have it right behind me. I talked about that um, with Ronnie just a minute ago that we had our book launch down in Delray Beach, Florida last April, where we all the authors got to contribute. I am one of 15 authors. And what we did with this book is we told our story. So back in 2015, I'm hearing somebody. Kaya, can you... Um, check the microphones <laughs> no okay let me see if i can find the the participant file oh somebody's waiting to come in ah uh, um, mute all right i all right got that so Anyway, I'm one of 15 authors with Becoming You. We each told our story. And my story summary is I, in 2015, although I was an occupational therapist doing well at my job, the rest of my world was crashing down around me. And I was getting to the point where I was like, I can't deal with life anymore. And I just was like, after an argument with my husband, I left the house and I was going to a hotel, I have no idea where. And it got to the point where I was like, why the heck am I doing this? Like reality set in. And I came back to the house and we've been working through a lot of issues uh, here at the house. And, and lo and behold, one of the things is that I felt like I needed more in life. Working as a school-based therapist was fine, but it wasn't what I wanted. I wanted to be out sharing and teaching. And that's what I am doing today. And my dream is to have a retreat center that you can all come to Pennsylvania and share yourselves, share about what it is that you are, are learning about dysgraphia, also have a tutoring center there as well. So long-term in my short years here that I have uh, in the working years, I would like to have a retreat center. So I've actually been doing a lot of investigation into real estate and what that, that looks like. So it's been very interesting seeing how I went from really feeling like, why am I here to this is what legacy that I would like to leave. So that's what the Becoming You book is about. So it is available on Kindle and in paperback on Amazon. You can find it there. The book that's next to it, the Routledge International Handbook of Visual Motor Skills, Handwriting and Spelling is legitimately the new, brand new textbook for handwriting across the world. It is 34 chapters of nothing but visual motor skills handwriting and spelling. And I contributed one chapter to this textbook that is the new textbook of handwriting. And I'll tell you what, I got to read some of the other authors. It is powerful. I'm looking forward to it being released. Uh, Pre-orders are being taken right now. If you wait till the um, 
the pre-orders are at their limit at the end of August or beginning of August, the price will be going up. So if you want a link that gives you a discount from Amazon, um, send me an email after the fact because I have to go dig it out. But I do have a link that'll give you $50 off. But if you're not a if you're not a professor, you may not also be interested in that. Right now, next week, next week, the 5th of June, is that next week? I am headed out to Columbus to finalize all the details of Math Disconnected with my co-author, John Eliza Panzik. And then it's going off to the editor and we should have it in our hands that we can share it sometime in July or August. So I am, that is that close guys. If you've heard, not heard about it before, Math Disconnected is a story about seventh grade teacher, some seventh grade students, and how John Lee and I interlaced our lives into theirs and have now changed their lives. So it's really been a powerful experience um, and watching all of these characters grow. My mission is to help innovative teachers who hate when kids are pulled from the classroom because their students are missing their educational experiences by designing multidisciplinary teaching environments to help support writing challenges. How many of us OTs are pulling kids out of the classroom, even the dyslexia teachers in the room, we're pulling kids out of the classroom to do this one-on-one, -on -one, but the kids hate it, they hate getting pulled out, the teachers hate it. I'm looking at how can we bring what we're doing into the regular ed classroom and help all students. And I believe that there, there is a reason for this and that is that 75% of fourth graders in 2017, when they took the, the um, writing scores the last time, 75% were writing at a basic level. Not proficient, basic. Now, all the scores came out back in January and February on reading and, um, and math. Reading was down 23%, math was down 50%. They didn't even report on writing because writing was so bad to begin with, they were afraid to even touch it. Either that or they did touch it and it was that bad that they weren't even about to tell the rest of the world about what it is. But the problem is there is a disconnect between what we are, where's the teaching of reading and the teaching of writing. And what I'd like to see is what is happening with the reading with structured literacy is they have taken this tier three MTSS level, RTI level three, and they're bringing it down as a tier one. And they're having kids learn that intense level. So they're having a lot more research in it. So we're converting what used to be tier three into tier one. I think that we can do that with writing as well. And we can get 
these writing skills of these kids up tremendously. So which did come first? The ADHD or the dysgraphia? Wanna give your opinion? Um, write an A for ADHD and write a D for dysgraphia in the chat. Which came first? Which comes first, the ADHD or the dysgraphia? Which is, which is more prevalent? Kaya says ADHD. Laura says ADHD, could be either. A may be identified first, A, ADHD. Nice guys. The ADHD is the one that is gonna take over because it's utilizing the frontal lobe. It's using the executive skills and there's that disconnect there. So when we're looking at it from a neurological standpoint, they're looking at the ADHD as a neurological condition and the dysgraphia as a developmental delay, a functional disconnect. So which came first and which do we address first? We need to address the ADHD first. So I mentioned the RTI model where tier one is universal. Everybody gets those interventions. Tier two is targeted. And those are those kids that are getting pulled to the side, but they're still in the classroom. And then those intensive kids are the ones that are getting pulled out. Kelly, I do have a question for you. Are you pulling your students out? Or are you seeing them in a tutoring clinic? Or how are, how are you uh, interfacing with your students? So I have a history of um, working one-on-one -on -one in a tutoring center, but at this point, I'm actually instructing teachers on how to implement OG. So I'm a trainer. Nice. Yeah. Perfect. I, I need, like I said, I need more of you. <laughs> so are you seeing a, a shift in the RTI model with the structured literacy implementation? Am I seeing a shift? I mean, we we address the different tiers explicitly when we guide teachers to implement our program. But, like we're pretty specific about how many students in the group, how many minutes per week. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Which one are you instructing? Do you mean which program? Yeah. Uh, phonics first and structures. Phonics first. I work okay. for a company called Brainspring. So we do a lot in Alabama, a um, lot in Michigan, obviously, um, in Idaho, um, Arkansas, big time. Okay. All right. Thank you. So for those of us who are not as well versed in what's happening in this, when I talk about this structured literacy, Back in the 80s, I'm even going to go back that far because I remember this happening when I was in high school. So I am dating myself. I remember them passing legislation that they were going to delve all this money into helping kids learn how to read. Because when I graduated from high school back in the 80s, early 80s, mind you. So, yes, I am dating myself here. 75% of the kids were graduating from high school and could not read. I remember looking at around the classroom and going, you mean to say he can't read? 
he can't read, she can't read. And legitimately they were having, they were struggling to, to read. And if they can't read, are we ever going to get them to really be able to write? Mm, not effectively. So they began this research. One of the first uh, go-rounds was whole language. And that was where we're looking at the whole word. We're trying to decipher what it is in the sentence, in the context. And so there are four of them remaining. Reading recovery, four blocks, daily cafe, and whole language umbrella. I'm going back to uh, you, Kelly. Um, do you hear about any of these at this point? Um, I hear about them in that they're not good. <laughs> they're not effective. We should have been using them. Um, when I, I started teaching in the classroom in the year 2000 and four blocks was the main thing. Reading recovery was happening also, but um, in terms of like general ed, four blocks was, was big. So, and lately I've heard about them on the Sold Story podcast. Nice. You're going to have to help me out with that. Okay. We're going to be talking after this. I can feel it now. <laughs> so then there was this emergent after some education and some research into balanced language. And there was a lot more different varieties. And did you say phonics first? Is that on here? No. No. Nope. Um, so I think I've heard of that one. And if you look at the top left there, really, it's this whole balance between whole language. So they're looking at that whole word, trying to decipher it and interlacing a little bit of phonics in there to help decipher words. But the thing with balanced language is they were doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And there wasn't any sequence. And Kaya put hooked on phonics in here. Hooked on phonics was the thing that my kid grew up with. And I thought, yeah, she did really well learning how to read with that one. And then my other one, he did really well learning how to read. But I was just at a conference on, on the structured literacy. And I was like, where does hooked on phonics fall? Hooked on phonics is a balanced language because what happens with hooked on phonics is they, did, they didn't have this sequence and structure so that they could implement the literacy education in a sequential pattern effectively enough. So this research is continuing to develop and the structured literacy programs that you should be hearing about this coming year, school year, are reading naturally, Orton-Gillingham. Orton-Gillingham is like the overarching thing and everything underneath it are all branches of Orton-Gillingham. Explode the Code, Linda Mood Bell, Voyager Sporus Learning. I am, I, there was another name for that particular brand. That was the company name, Brain Spring. That's Spartan Spire. Okay. Uh, re really great reading. I'm not quite sure what that, there was another name with that one. Sound Partners, Take Flight. Take Flight is a very calm, uh, very um, 
it's in Texas. Uh, it's common in Texas. Wilson is here in the Northeast. So that's the one that I hear about. Um, and I just met the nephew of the creator of Linda Moot Bell a couple months ago. And he's he now has a program which is not on here um, called the Now Program, which is a a competitor to Orton Gillingham. Um, so I just want you to see the names of some of these curriculums that you might be looking at when they're talking about this reading and the, and the changes. But how does that correlate to writing? So where are we, where are we at with the writing? Can anybody tell me what writing program that they have in their school? Can you put that in the chat? I mean, school-wide, not that the OTs are pulling out and uh, utilizing one, but do you have any programs hooked on handwriting without tears? Okay. Kelly, does your program have a handwriting program to go with it? Uh, we use handwriting without tears when we, when we use it, yeah. Okay, all right. So, handwriting without tears has been around since the 90s. There are a couple other programs that you might hear about when I go to the next slide. So, what the idea here is, is taking what used to be that targeted or that intensive training with that from handwriting without tears, pull that down and have that be universal across the school so that all kids are learning. And not all schools are incorporating a handwriting curriculum into their program. So some of the programs that are out there, we have loops and groups and handwriting success, which are dealing a little bit more with cursive. Um, we have foundations, which is the Wilson program. We have cursive logic dealing with cursive. We have handwriting without tears and size matters that both have print and cursive. Uh, Zainer Blazer has print and cursive. Calorobics. I think they're just print, but I could be wrong. They might be both. Danilian is this bridge between print and cursive and universal publishing is more like what I can get when I go to Staples. Um, so we have all of these curriculums and when I look at the curriculums, what are they trying to accomplish? They're trying to help kid, teach kids size, shape, spacing, but ultimately legibility. Am I, am I right? Is that, are those the three things that we're really trying to accomplish with a handwriting program? Is there anything else? Direction? Is that part of shape? Or do you really think that that's a different area? I only see your, your I think it's different. back and forth. I think, it's, I think it's different because it includes the motor part of it. Okay. The shape, shape doesn't include the motor. Okay. I will keep that in mind for the next time. <laughs> According to the DSM-5, when we really are trying to figure out where the disconnect is between 
writing and a disability in written expression, the DSM-5 says that a disability in written expression includes grammar, punctuation, capitalization, sentence structure, paragraph organization, clarity, and spelling. They also add these two qualifiers in that the activity demands can be different from as the kid ages, and it can interfere with activities of daily living. So when I say the definition, and we're looking at the handwriting programs that are there, do these handwriting programs address grammar, punctuation, capitalization, sentence structure, paragraph organization, clarity, and spelling? What's your opinion? Can you put that in the chat? Yes or no? Do they really address it? Handwriting Without Tears does to some. I think they are touching on it, but one of the things that I'm concerned about is, how do I say this? I keep getting as an OT, we don't address capitalization and punctuation. We don't address grammar. But if we're a multidisciplinary team, we can pull from each other's strengths and we can have it addressed immediately in the classroom. Right Without Tears shows it as graded in the screener. Yes, I, I do agree. And I do agree each one of them has some degree of this, but I don't think we effectively have had enough research and education to blend the curriculum and the definition to really help combine them. I don't think Size Matters actually has um, grammar or punctuation in it at all, if I'm correct. Uh, you might be right. You might be right. Shift your camera. All we see is your forehead. <laughs> That's better. Thank you. Thank you. So if we look at the learning pyramid, we have all of these skills that these kids need to have incorporated into their system before we even touch academics. And that this is where I, my heart believes that there's this huge disconnect between what we understand about writing, what it is, and where we need to get there. And so I've been doing a lot of research on where this connection happens. And one of the things that I've discovered is although we've addressed directly visual, spatial, and motor in a lot of the OT treatment, there's a component of memory that I believe that we really need to dress a little bit closer. And I believe that we're getting there, but we're doing it in a roundabout way. And that is where impact comes from. Impact stands for interoception, metacognition, perseverance, consistency, and transcendence. So let me go into what I mean here. For any of those of you who don't know and have not heard of interoception before, I did put the definition down here because that might be a term that hit you off guard. It's really an understanding of what's happening inside your body and kind of what's happening around you. So what I'd like you to do right now is get out your phone. 
I want you to turn on that camera and I want you to put the camera so it's facing you. With your camera facing you, I want you to look at your face. Look at the lines on your face. Look at the position of your mouth. Look at the position of your nose and your eyes. Now, look really intently into your own eyes and say out loud, I love you. Ronnie, I want you to un unmute and tell me your reaction to that. Maybe she can't unmute. <laughs> there we go. There it is. Hi. I just got a big view of me, so I'm just trying to move this over. Okay. Um, I just started to, to laugh. You started to laugh. You know, when I said that when I said those words, it was kind of like, oh, I have to remind myself of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about you, Brenda? What is your reaction to that? I never like seeing myself in the camera. So, <laughs> so it was awkward like, even before I got to the part that says, I love you, huh? Yes. Well, I wiggle a lot. So that's why I turned off my camera. So um, It's okay. Keep wiggling. Keep wiggling. Yeah. How about you, Jennifer? Um, I thought it was a little strange too. I'm looking at myself and I looked and I thought, I look like I'm frowning. Like my focused face looks like a frown face. And um, mm -hmm. anyway, just surprising. Yeah. How about you, Laura? So I think everybody likes to hear the words, I love you. And so whenever you hear that, you just naturally smile. And I think it takes away those lines and wrinkles and just makes you happier. I love it. I love it. Jessica, hey, I didn't realize you were here. Hi, Jessica. How about you? Tell me what you thought. Um, I have to agree. I thought the whole thing was uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. The looking in the, the camera, looking at myself. Yeah. thought the whole, the whole thing brought discomfort. All right. Now I, oh, and, and Jen, there's Jen here too. Jen, uh, I haven't um, asked you this question. How did you feel about that one? If it's the Jen, I think it is. She is probably pulling weeds. So, so she probably can't come on. So what, with our kids, and we really need to think about what is going on with them. What do you think is happening with this one? Can you put it in the chat? Give me some ideas of what might be happening with this kiddo. What do you think they might be saying to you if you were uh, working with them in the classroom? Belly ache, tummy hurts, tummy hurts, tummy hurts. Hey. What else could be going on though, other than stomach hurts? Too hard. Ah, love it. Anxiety, yes. 
Yes. Anger. So when we're really looking at interoception, it's really trying to be a detective and understanding what's underneath. And those uncomfortable anxiety, anger feelings are going to prevent kids from writing. So before we ever put a pencil in a kid's hand, we really need to understand those feelings that they're feeling about themselves, about others, and what is distracting their mind. So part of understanding of interoception here is really understanding what is going on with the child before we ever get to the writing task itself. The next word in impact is metacognition. And metacognition means thinking about thinking. When we have all of this sensory stuff coming into our system, you guys that are OTs, where does it go? Where does that information go that is coming into our system? Where is its first spot that it stops or passes through? If you want to call it out, uh, Ronnie or uh, Kaya, your lights are off. Or um, um, Clara, if you want to, Jen, what do, it doesn't matter. I don't, where, what happens when all that sensory gut stuff comes into our system and it hits the brain? Where's, it, where's the thing that it's hitting first? It's hit, going through the brainstem and it's kind of getting into that, that uh, limbic system and it's getting into the filter where the, the, the filtering system in the reticular activating system is trying to decide whether are we going to ignore this or are we going to react to it? And then if we're reacting to it, where do I need to send that information? So this filtering system really is taking all that sensory information, but kids are, ha are still developing that system. So sometimes we've got kids that are thinking about these little idiosyncrasies about that. And I think that's where a lot of the sensory processing issues come in is there is this disconnect between what we need to inhibit and what we need to not inhibit or, or pay attention to. Hence, we got issues with tags and clothes and, and things like that. So metacognition is really helping them decipher those sensory feelings. Mm -hmm. Process. Perseverance. This is one that, that touches my heart and and... Jessica, I know you're probably going to shoot me for this one when you see me in person again. But one of the things that I really drives me crazy about special education is we break things down so far that we can't, they, the kids don't know where they're going next. So right now, I want you to grab a sheet of paper that you're not using for your notes. I want you to put that paper on top of your head. With your pencil, I want you to draw a circle on the paper. Next to that pen, next to that one, don't be looking, Ronnie. 
Next to that circle, I want you to put another circle. Now I want you to put a third circle. Now I want you to go back to the first circle and I want you to draw a smiley face in there. Now I want you to put three coal, pieces of coal down the center like those buttons. Now we need to put sticks on the middle one, so we a middle circle so we can have arms. And then you gotta put a scarf around that snowman and then bring it down and look what it looks like. I did not give you the directions. I didn't tell you what you were making at first. I just had you make something. And part of the things that I get, think we get so very, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing, Kaya. One of the things that we do is we break things down so much, the kids forget and like they lose track of the end game. They lose track of where things are going. And so having that I balance. Didn't know that, I didn't know that the three circles were supposed to be in a row. I just, you just told me to make three circles. I made them. Exactly. Exactly. So keeping in mind that as, even for you as the dyslexia tutor, Kelly, looking at what is the end result that we want to have done today? How are we going to get there? And sometimes helping these kids understand the steps along the way by seeing this, the, the big picture is very helpful for them. And they really need help celebrating that perseverance because they are so torn down along the way. Consistency. Everybody sing it with me. We're gonna start our letters at the top. We're gonna start our letters at the top. I don't remember the rest of it. It's been too long. <laughs> if you want to start your letters, then you're better, better, better. Remember to start them at the top. Thank you. I couldn't remember it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is this the top, top, top? It's the top, top, top. Where do you start your letters at the top? Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Helping them with that consistency, mixing. Music is going to be very helpful, but keeping things consistent. The structured literacy programs have really done a fantastic job in creating that consistency with language over time. We just need to catch up with writing. <laughs> That's all. We need to catch up. So. I just threw a couple things in there that we often talk about. We talk about starting the letters at the top. We talk about sizes of the letters. We talk about gaps and points in our letters. Some people talk about spaghetti and meatballs in our spacing and legibility is ultimate goal. Transcendence. Transcendence is really, what does it look like over time? Even from preschool on, our goal is what's happening on graduation day, right? What's happening on graduation from college? Where are we going? Where are we going? So even though we're writing IEPs for a, a year at a time, we also need to be able to come back 
and hit transcendence. And I went looking. What do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know, Gaia. Can you tell me without what I want to be? Anyway, um, when I went looking for some information on transcendence, because I like this term, I like this idea over time. There was two things that came to my mind and are two things that they described. And that is the, the life cycle of a butterfly or the life cycle of a seed and, and germination into whatever it's going to be. It takes this, this time, but the stages of transcendence was one of the things that really got to my heart. And that is all of these kids are facing this trauma that they can't write. And they get caught in the trauma. How are we going to get them out that they can adjust their life story, change their habits from negative to positive, and create powerful evolution out of this trauma and transcend through it? And that's what we've I've been working on is trying to find activities that are helping overcome that negative to positive no more negative feedback yes ma'am yes ma'am so i don't have it in here but one of the things that is really understanding that those five senses that we talked about earlier there's three more and that's the proprioception, the vestibular, and the interoception. Talked about the interoception when we talked about impact. Proprioception, OTs here about, uh, know about it, but for those of you who aren't OTs that are here in the room, proprioception is really a message from the brain to the joint to say how much you're going to push and pull and tighten up the muscles on that joint to do whatever task it needs to be done. So I'm going to use the knee because it's easy because it's a lever. We have the knee here. We got the joint in here. There's this message that's coming from the brain down to the knee joint to go, you need with running that the, the knee goes a little bit, uh, separates a little bit. What muscles are going to tighten as we're doing that particular stride? Which one is going to loosen up in the middle of the stride and getting that sink to go foot by foot to help kids along. Take that to the shoulder, which is a rotating joint, adding another layer other than just that push pull. We have the circular motion too. So Kelly, here's one of the little tricks I wanna share with you. When you're doing air riding with the kids, do it with both sides of the body and do it with the palms away from them so that the message in their shoulders, no problem, Jessica. <laughs> um, so that the message in their shoulders is getting to the brain the way that their hands need to be to be writing. So for example, I know Wilson much better than your program. So I'm going to be using some of the Wilson thoughts here. One of the things that Wilson likes to do is like they like, they like to tap the fingers. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I like to do is tap 
the hands instead, doing both of them. Or if we're going to do air writing, put both fingers together and air write it. So, so I tend to see a lot of like, like this. Yeah. I like big arm movements when we're doing air writing. We always try to say, do it from the shoulder with a straight arm. Yeah. And you want to keep your palms away from you because that's where your hands are going to be eventually wrapping them with a pencil. But if you do it with both hands together, you're going to get much more overlap in the brain and the memory is going to stick more. So for example, writing, writing the number eight in the air, both hands together. I've tried that. It works. There's one more trick to it that I've been using and it's much more effective. So everybody put your hands out in front of you. Brenda, I can't see you. Jenna, can't see you. Laura, Jen, can't see you. Hands out in front of you. One behind the other, keeping your palms away from each other and you're going to interlace. So interlace. There you go, Ronnie. You got it. I can't see your hands, uh, Jennifer. There you go. You got it. Okay. Hands up over your head. Vertical eight. Write an eight in the air. So Laura, what did you notice? You're muted yet. The weight at my shoulders. What about your shoulders? The weight. The weight on your shoulders. Okay. The weight and direction. All right. Jennifer Henderson, how about you? Myself really having to think about the directions a little bit more, like with less automaticity and really having to focus on mm-hmm. that and using my big, big body movements to help. Mm-hmm. How about you, Brenda? Um, same thing. The other thing um, I noticed, like doing both hands, you're doing a lot of midline crossing when you do both hands together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Ronnie, how about you? I was just going to say what Brenda said, as well as um, just getting, you know, being able to cross midline like that. It reminds me of the infinity loop so that you're trying to balance both sides of the brain. And yeah, now the infinity loop is sideways. It's a lazy eight. Yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) The big difference here, if you want to try it again with me, do it like a lazy eight. And tell me what, how you feel that it's different. Go back to the vertical, try it, and then try the lazy eight. What do you notice that's different? This, not the directionality, the size, the, I'm not sure. Okay. Less, less core. I did, less, less core. core. That's what you said. Okay. Less core. Brenda, how about you? I'm still working on, I'm still trying to figure out. Um, yeah. Now see, I see more core when you're doing the lazy eight than the regular eight. Okay. Because of you're, do, I guess maybe because I'm sitting, I'm doing more twisting when I'm doing my lazy eight as maybe. opposed to just maybe. being stationary. Maybe. Kelly, you're not the OT. So I'm going to get you this t- time. Um, what did, what do you, what did you notice? 
So when I do the lazy one, I feel like there's less muscles engaged. Like what really, when I did the vertical one, it was like, wow, so many muscles in my back are awake. Just my shoulder, everything was very awake. Mm -hmm. So the other thing that's happening, if you actually take it and you like, look at it now, I'm probably going to write the like eight, like I would normally write it. So it's probably backwards as I'm sharing it. When you're writing it, you've got the curve, you cross midline, you come around the bottom, you cross midline and come back up to the center. So you're doing this diagonal that's going across your body, cross your body like NDT. When you're doing it with a lazy eight, you're crossing at midline. Your diagonal is off to the side. Your target, your center is in the middle. So the reason the vertical eight is more difficult is because you're actually crossing midline on the diagonal. So the reason this is so important is because you're going to get both hands doing the activity. It's going to reinforce the memory. So Kelly, hopefully this little tidbit will help you really empower the reading connection before kids write. Anybody else want to give any comments before I move on to some vestibular thoughts? No? Okay. With vestibular, I'm going to talk with Kelly a little bit. Um, I think she's, if that is, if that's Jen Porter, she's a teacher, um, but I'm not sure which Jen that is. And if it's Jen Porter, she had already told me that she wasn't going to be able to um, be online. Anyway, so Kelly, with vestibular system, the idea of the vestibular system is it's your brain needs to know where your body is at all times. And it wants to be perpendicular to the ground. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. So every time you're moving your head, you're, it wants your shoulders to kind of come along with it. And that's where the idea, the robot comes in. Okay. So we got kids that are writing on the board. We got kids that are writing from a, a book into their notebook. We've got kids that are just struggle with tracking in general. The connect the the vestibular system is has a very high neurological con, uh, matrix that's happening. So it's connecting the eyes, the head, the shoulders, and kids that are struggling with the vestibular system. The reason they can't look at the board and then look down at their paper is that immature vestibular system gets lost. It's going, wait a minute, you moved your head now? I'm still trying to figure out where it was and why it's not per perpendicular to the ground. Okay. In a, if you want to give it a nutshell, that's what the vestibular system is trying to do. So all these kids that are struggling with copying their vestibular system and is just not keeping up. OTs, have you heard it described that way before? Did that give you a better way to articulate it to a parent or a teacher? Okay. Any thoughts about 
vestibular system that you want to, to uh, add here. Ronnie, did you want to add oh. something? No. Um, just about with the vestibular system, I'm I'm I see a lot of kids with ocular motor issues, and I'm trying to explain to the parents talking about the vestibular system, and I like the way you put it together to present it in just a in a nutshell that made a lot of sense too. So thank you. So thank you, Sherry. Just to clarify a little bit. Mm -hmm. So students with dysgraphia have an immature vestibular system. Am I connecting that right? Typically they do go hand in hand. Yes. Okay. So it's probably the other way around. Kids with an um, immature vestibular system most likely have dysgraphia. I see. Okay. <laughs> so part of the reason I have the tumbleweed there is because of the head moving all the time. And, and so thinking about the vestibular system as this tumbleweed, oh, I love it. Oh, thank you for doing that and not making my neck hurt. <laughs> and then we talked a little bit about interoception a little bit ago, so I'm not gonna go into that any further. So what I'd like to do is share a couple more little tidbits on some ideas to help you with, um, with those basic skills. Because if we're really focusing on the sensory system, we really, that's where we need to begin is to really get the sensory system working effectively before we are going to make any motor changes. One of the things that I've discovered by accident, I had a kid who was a little bit older, like fourth, fifth grade, and he was still struggling with writing the letter A. And I was like, I've been working with you for the, with this for two years, what's going on? And finally mom gets, I, I was working with him in his home. Finally, mom gives me the book from school and the book from school had everything written in Arial. I was trying to teach him like Poppins. And I'm like, huh, there's sort of this disconnect is. No wonder he's not making the connections, the connections between what he's reading and what the writing program was that he was using at school were not what I was teaching. So that consistency was off for one thing, but he also wasn't understanding the A, the G, and those other typeset letters. So one of the things that I encourage, if you're having a kid who's struggling with recognition, change the font. So Kelly, I don't know what font your reading program is in, but these are, these ones on the bottom, the Century Gothic is a, um, Microsoft product. Poppins and Quicksand are Google fonts. So if there'll be in any Google system. Lexen Deca is one that you have to ask to be installed, but it's free to install. So mm -hmm. you go into lexend.com, ask them for their newsletter, download it. They'll give you the installation codes for the font and then you have it. And there's like six of them six different varieties of Lexend. I just happen I, to have that one there. Just on behalf of my company, I know that they recently reprinted all of our materials in a wonderful, I think they call it an elementary font. Okay. Um, but it's it's to meet this, this need for students. Yeah, yeah. 
Now, a lot of people will say, well, what about the dyslexia font? Because you can go on and you can change your whole system with a, one click of a button to share almost every website in a dyslexia font. The problem I'm finding with the dyslexia font is that kids want to draw it. And then we have kids drawing the coloring in the bottom of the font and they've lost track of actually how to write it. So if you don't know what the dyslexia font is, you'll have to go online later and look it up. It has a heavy bottom, which is great for recognition it doesn't correlate well from going from reading to writing. So there needs to be something, if you're using the dyslexia font for reading, you need to convert it to something else before they go to, to copy it. With motor, I share with you the, the vertical eight. The other thing that I try to encourage and most OTs do this already, is really trying to get some core involved and strengthen that core, tighten those glutes, get people, kids standing, and that's what the handstand flip does. The handstand flip, I actually have 12 variations on it, and I've had some OTs using it in treatment and sharing pictures with me. I've had some teachers sharing pictures with me um, on what it looks like in the classroom. It's absolutely hilarious watching an entire classroom do the handstand flip all at one time because <laughs> the kids are having such trouble standing upright, especially in full extension that the handstand flip forces them to do. So the handstand flip is basically a handstand standing up. And the reason it works is because it forces your entire body to be an extension. Everybody wants to curl up in that fetal position. They're reading in a fetal position. They're writing at a desk, kind of in, a, which is sort of a fetal position. This just gives them a counterbalance. So this exercise and then the seven variations are available on my website. And what what we're finding is that kids are being able to sit up at their desk much easier after doing this. And the heavier the book, the better, because the better extension you're going to get in your wrist. But you can't go too heavy because then, like, no Christensen and Baum, thank you. Who, who used Christensen and Baum in school? <laughs> Ronnie's looking at me. Christensen and Baum is one of those textbooks that will buy an OT that's like four inches thick. It's a little too heavy. <laughs> Must be an East Coast thing there, Kaya. <laughs> I can't hear you, Ronnie. <laughs> You're muted. Uh, I'm, I'm a Jersey girl. Originally. You're a Jersey girl. Okay, maybe it's a Pennsylvania, New York thing. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, well, it's East Coast because my OT school is in Florida. So yeah. That's right. I forgot that. So, um, Laura, gonna call on you. What do you see? You're muted. <laughs> I see a, a cool, inviting pool with a lot of sharp edges. 
inviting pool with a lot of sharp edges. Brenda, what do you notice? The lounge chairs next to the pool and how nice it would be to be there. Now nice it would be to be there. Kelly, what questions can you come up with with this particular picture? Besides how do I get there quick? <laughs> I'm in Michigan, remember, although it's very hot today. Um, Sound, it sounds like Lake Michigan for me. <laughs> where is this located? Um, why is it empty? <laughs> um, Yeah. Um, All right. And Jennifer, how does it make you feel? Oh, it makes me feel calm. I'm just picturing myself sitting in a chair, like in that front section there where it looks like it's very shallow and just lounging right there in that little bit of water. All right. Now I want you to go ahead, Ronnie. Hi, I'm just, I, I have to go. I'm so sorry. Not a problem. Not a problem. Thank it's good to have you so here. much. Did I give you any little thoughts and takeaways and, and did it make any connection to dysgraphia and, and how you're working with kids? It definitely did because I have, I, now I think I can explain a little better to parents about the vestibular system and the dysgraphia because they, they just didn't see relationship. It was just poor handwriting. And I'm like, mm -hmm. they're not alone. And so I just, I like learning a new way to share information. So thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, I have, two, I have two questions. The first one I would ask a kid is, can you see the ocean? That's number one, because I can. Do you? Do you? Come on. Um, <laughs> the other is, is that picture on the top right with the little people in it, was that there the whole time or did you just add it? It was there when I clicked it on there. <laughs> yep, just noticed it just now i only saw that inviting pool to go into i did not see those people there at all there you go there you go and that's local here in hamburg there we go okay so back back to the picture so i asked you guys four questions so go ahead and write them down what do you see what do you notice what questions can you come up with and how does it make you feel? Why are those questions important? Is, is that all the sensory interoception? That's the whole interoception thing. It's a way of getting perspective for the child and understanding what they understand. So I've given this particular image to a bunch of autistic kids. I am not getting the same response as what you got when I give this to an autistic kid. All they see is the sand in the background and they wanna run. They don't see calm because there are a lot of kids with autism that are sensory averse. Some kids are sensory averse about pools. So you don't expect what you might think is a calm, inviting pool to be calm and inviting to everyone. 
So when we look at spelling, well, one of the ways that we can help with spelling is with games. This is an OT that has created a spelling game for her uh, for her kids. Um, I could tell you on that board, some of it is French because this was for her own child and she was also trying to get the kid to go, is it any, tell me in English and tell me in French. So <laughs> there's a little bit of complexity with this particular game. Um, but the image was effective just to share with you. But this was created by one of the OTs who has taken my pro my program. And she was working with spelling with the kids and created a game out of it and was using the spelling words of the week. With sentences, you know, I, I we talked a lot earlier about capitalization, punctuation, um, grammar and such. No, I'm not necessarily working on capitalization, punctuation, and grammar. However, recognition thereof is definitely in my scope of practice as an OT. And I will encourage kids to identify and recognize. So in this particular case, I use the rectangle or the square for the capitals and a circle for the punctuation. You can do whatever it is that you want. You can do highlighters. I was just listening to, I just had an interview for my podcast with a lady who uses highlighter tape. And I was like, tell me more. What is that? So it's kind of like, um, oh gosh, what's the stuff that Megan Fox makes that washi has the handwriting? Washi tape, washi tape. But this is just highlighter. It's just for when you're reading. You just highlight the words based on the color, and it's they have different different colors, and you highlight on your book, and then it's removable, kind of like um, the tape that you would use to paint a room. So, utilizing different resources, different kinds of ways to acknowledge the recognition is something that we can do as in scope of practice. Kelly, is this something that you do as a dyslexia tutor? Yes, that's about as in-depth as we get um, in our remediation practice is identifying and, and checking, you know, whenever we do sentence dictation, did you include those things? Yeah. Okay, so there are several other ways other than the boxes and stuff like that. So if you haven't heard of highlighter tape, something to think about to help with the kids with recognition. Sherry, is that lowercase L in a box because you thought it was a capital I? It's I live near the middle of the route. Oh, and the that L kind of got suckered and I couldn't, I couldn't make the, the box small enough that you could see the L. Got Sorry. It. No <laughs> um, that's a factual sentence, by the way. <laughs> I do live right about the middle of off the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> so when I'm looking at paragraphs and I'm helping with kids with, with writing them, I utilize my phone a lot. The two um, apps that I use a lot are Otter AI and Grammarly. When I'm working with a kid at, that is having a lot of trouble going from oral expression to written expression, I will have... Otter AI record the conversation. What's nice about Otter AI is it adds a transcription. Depending on what I'm looking at for that child, they can either have the transcription and copy it 
they can not have the transcription and just listen to it and listen to the dictation and and write the sentence down or they listen to the whole thing and now i want you to create your own sentence and and self-generate a new sentence so i i utilize those resources and then after i'm done with whatever i need to do with notes and stuff like that i erase the conversation but otter ai is amazing it does cost a little bit of money though And how can we then take all of these things and bring them from these targeted and intensive things that we utilize as OTs and bring them down into the classroom? One of the ways that I feel strongly is if we change and shift our model of delivery from a caseload model to a workload model. And part of that workload model is that we are standing alongside Kelly while she's doing the one-on-one -on -one treatment and we're providing supportive care. But it's better if we can pull Kelly and Sherry into the regular ed classroom and support the child as a co in collaboration with the regular ed and or special ed and or para and whoever. So we could almost have as many students as we have staff in the classroom helping these kids overcome these challenges and look beyond the classroom of that moment and see that end game and see what graduation looks like and find their potential. So my mission is to take what we typically think of as tier two, tier three, bring it down and become tier one. So how to go about doing that and learn more? The best way to do that would be to get your certification as a dysgraphia specialist. And there's a code right there. Let me move the chat out of the way. Here is a link that you don't have to do the, the chat thing. Jessica is no longer here. Everyone in meeting. Ching, ching. Now I recommend that you do this on a computer not your iPhone, but you will need, if you're already a member of the Writing Glitch community, you will need to have your access to your password and stuff like that to get onto the computer because iPhone charges more. So don't do that way. But if you are interested in learning more about how to bring that to tier one, that's where we're, we're going. How, what do we need to do to get there? We have this four-step process to get your certification. You could just pay right up front and then all of this stuff is included, or you can piecemeal it and you can pay along the way. The first thing that you do is the roadmap to hacking dysgraphia, the five-day challenge. The second thing would be the dysgraphia toolkit. The third thing is the warm-up protocol. The fourth thing is the method. And after you complete all of your requirements, you can get certified as a dysgraphia specialist. This program has been approved by the Department of Education here in Pennsylvania and any practice act that reciprocates with Pennsylvania Department of Education, which is 46 of the 50 states, the Department of Ed reciprocates with one another. So for the most part, as long as your practice act in your state reciprocates with the Department of Education, you can get 
your certification and not have any trouble. If your particular practice act does not reciprocate with your state department of ed, then you have more trouble. So we have the traditional path, which is what I just share with you. There's another a cue to do that, or we have the fast track. And the fast track, the big difference is going from monthly group coaching to weekly one-on-one -on -one with me. So if you're interested in the certification and you want to get it done by time school rolls around again, we can do that using the fast track. But I ask that you have a phone call with me one-on-one -on -one so we can talk about those details. And that link is here to have that phone call with me. And if you don't know how to get a hold of me, the best way is this. There's all the links to find, find me. And for those of you who may or may not have known, I am the host of The Writing Glitch. And we are now on 20 episodes that have been out there. And we are going strong. I thought I was going to be taking the summer off, but I have enough that we're going all the way through the summer. We're just going to keep rolling. So I'm going to stop my screen. And one thing I like to do before everybody goes away is I like to ask one thing from you. And that is, what was your key takeaway? I asked Ronnie quick before she left. I didn't catch Jessica. She told me too quickly. So Jennifer Henderson, what was your key takeaway of the night? You know what? I loved that little technique you talked about, the hand, the reverse handstand, the handstand flip, because I have so many kids that have a rounded posture. And I feel like that could be so beneficial. Um, for so many reasons and then relating it back to the flexed posture which is like a calming and a position of comfort and what they go to for reading and writing um i just i had never thought about doing that and i, I love that little trick here is the link to uh get the the seven different varieties okay laura this is not the first time you've been with me is it I think I've seen your name before. I think about a year ago. Okay. What did you learn new tonight? Just the importance of looking at the whole concept of the child, alternating between vestibular, proprioception, feedback to them while engaging them in the things that they need to do and looking at the differences and how you can make it all fit together and help. Brenda, how about you? Keep pushing buttons, sorry. Um, I did like the explanation that you gave with the vestibular and the being able to copy from the board. That's something that I haven't been able to explain very well. So that was helpful. And I do also like your handstand from the fact that I work in a lot of very tiny spaces so it's some, you know, it's very challenging to find movement and those sorts of things for my students where we're not running into things. So that is something that I can always find something to pick up. Well, 
in there, there is uh, some balance that goes along with it in inside the facilitation guide. So uh, I recommend that yeah. you, you download it um, and uh, see what other things, and then you can get back yeah. to me on what you yeah. like. And I would love to get my teachers on board to do some of those things as well. Well, I would love to get more teachers on board to these conversations. I can't see. And it seems like every time I have a connection with a teacher, then the next year they're not back. (laughs) So (laughs) I start all over with a new group of teachers. So, Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Kelly, what was your takeaway? So there was a few really new concepts for me as a non-OT, really focused on uh, Orton Gillingham and my daily life. The interoception brand new mm-hmm. um proprioception brand new vestibular system i was familiar with i knew it needed to be stimulated and then beyond that now i just have like this it's like you lit a little candle and i'm ready to go diving deep into that because i mentioned i have a son who i think i strongly believe has dysgraphia Grab that handstand flipped. I'll I'll tell you what, it has made a difference. So interesting. And his, ever since he was little, he has rocked his head back and forth, especially when he's trying to go to sleep. He's not a hyperactive kid at all, but it's all these connections are happening for me (laughs) just with, with him. And he's 16 at this point. So um, it's looking back at his developments, very, very interesting. So yeah, it, Personally and professionally, I got quite a bit. Thank you. Thank you. Kaya, you've been around me for a little while. What did you gain tonight? I don't know. Just I have fun listening to you. You're fun. She knows how to (laughs) let people in now. Yes. (laughs) I also know what not to do when testing a new connection. So I don't get cut off from my mouth. <laughs> yeah. So everybody, Kaya and I um, have been working together for a, a little while. Uh, and I'm supposed to be <laughs> headed to uh, New York City to uh, do the workshop with her uh, school. So we're, we're we're negotiating that that right now. I am looking forward to coming to wherever you guys are and would love to come and talk with your school. So if you have any um, any teachers that you think would uh, appreciate this, we can talk about how to get the school to say, yes, we'll let all the K to two teachers uh, learn this product because this is for them. Really, this is for them. This isn't for the OTs. This is for the teachers. They need to know this. They just don't know it. You guys know what you're doing. I just gave you some clarification on words. <laughs> About why we're doing it. Absolutely. About why we're doing it. Yeah. Can I ask a quick question? You sure may. IMPACT, that acronym is new to me. What does the A stand for? Did I not go over it? A, action. Action. Sorry, taking taking action. Um, sorry. That's okay. I probably totally missed that when I was uh, uh, <laughs> doing that thing because I really would have didn't have a, a really good um, thing that I wanted to share with you. So yeah, A is for action. 
So the new program that I am developing that is going to be going alongside the book after just Math Disconnected is called Impact to Lead. And when you're taking the fast track, that is what we're really focusing on is that impact to lead. And so you get, you got the six uh, <coughs> words there. Lead stands for love with excellence, abundance, and diligence. So we really need to learn how to love these kids and teach them excellence, abundance, and diligence. Any other uh, things before uh, we end this evening? Kaya, can you hold on for a few minutes afterwards? Okay, All right. Anybody else have anything? You're welcome, Jennifer. Thank you for coming. Thank you. You're welcome, Laura. Thank you. You're welcome, Brenda. You're welcome, Kelly. All right. Stop. I think we're alone now.